On today's show, we're going to do a deep dive into three prospects with superb second-round value in Virginia Tech's Taylor Soul, Oregon's India Rogers, and South Carolina's Zaya Cook in Episode 7 of our 2023 WBA Draft Prospect Profile Series. Welcome when basketball starts now. Welcome to Wallet. For the win! You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Welcome. You are the women's basketball. My name is Andrew Cruz. I'm Saturday host covering the NBA draft and college basketball at large. Thanks for making Lots of Women's Basketball your first listen every day. And remember, Lots of Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. I'm joined by my co-host, Emma Adler. Emma's a B-Rider for the Seattle Storm and heads our written coverage of the WBA Draft at thenexthoops.com. So we will begin our discussion today with Virginia Tech's Taylor Soul, a key piece for one of the best teams in the country. So I'll give it to Em to just go over her statistical profile. Yeah. So let's just start with her numbers this year, which are frankly uh, a little bit crazy in how many things she's been good at. Um, she is at a 58.2% true shooting mark, good for in the 87th percentile among forwards per CBP analytics, the 76th percentile in steal rate, and around the 75th percentile and higher or, or higher in assist rate, turnover rate, and assist turnover ratio. She's also, again, among all forwards, 88th percentile in offensive rebounding. 76th in free throw attempt rate, and Synergy has her in the 88th percentile in at-rim finishing and 85th in rim rate. To compare that to her time at Boston College, where she was for four years before grad transferring to the Hokies this year, basically the biggest change has been her rim rate has increased over 10 percentage points from her past couple years as as an eagle, which has led to her jump in scoring efficiency. What, What has carried over with her and not changed is that excellent offensive rebounding, her avoiding turnovers, getting steals, and uh, the occasional problems with fouls. Also, over the past three years, she's been in, she's been a 31.8% shooter off the dribble. So that's a solid number for a change of pace thing from basically your quaternary scorer. Uh, last weekend, actually, at the ACC tournament, I had the opportunity to ask her about adapting her game and training differently at Virginia Tech. And here's what she had to say. Yeah, I think um, I, the reason I came to Virginia Tech was to win basketball games. I didn't really care uh, how much I was scoring, how much I was playing. I just wanted to play alongside uh, great people. Uh, and just helps with every basketball players, and so uh, it means I have to have two points a game, play 20 minutes, but I have 10 rebounds, and that's how that's how I get the win. I'm willing to do that if I have to sit on the bench, and share my teammates, all of that. Um, it's a fun group to be around, and so it makes my role easy, whatever that has to be any night. I've been working a lot more with Coach Brooks on some guard play. You see it when I'm taking the ball off the court, uh, in the offense sometimes, having the ball in my hands a little bit more, and so that's. Similar to old goals that I've had, but definitely, definitely a little different. But I hope we can translate positively over. Uh, hopefully, when I can play professional basketball, so we'll see. Her offense. We'll start there. I think the biggest thing for her is just utilizing her body and her strength because I think one thing you did note was you did not realize she was five eleven. Like she yeah, is, I, she is big. I, I I honestly don't think that's correct. I don't know how to like de-verify that or double check that. But she's I, I, been listed five eleven since she got to college. She's been listed five eleven at Boston College, and that doesn't make any sense. She doesn't look five eleven. She looks yeah, like six one. Yeah, I was listening to um, Kitley and Georgia Amor's podcast with Taylor Solon. They did 
say she was six foot, but yeah. um, I didn't and know that's around against like Michaela Timpson at Florida State, who's six two, and she didn't look that much smaller. Yeah, but in terms of her half court offense, I think she she gets to the rim so easily. She can push mm-hmm. defend. She can push defenders with, with her shoulders with her strength. Um, we'll see her drive at a triple threat. And it's not a case where you can't really sag off of her too much just because she's so strong. It really won't, mm-hmm. won't matter. She's going to get to the rim. And then in transition, I think the same thing. She uses her upper and lower body, lower body strength more than pretty much any player in this class, I would say, is just utilizing her strength. Yeah, and I mean, you know, she has athleticism in terms of getting downhill. She's she's decent at bursting off the line, but she's she's got really good core strength and very good lateral quickness. Um you know, against closeouts, against mismatches, if she has the right mentality and off the catch, she's going to, you know, get downhill. She's going, she's really good at just going through defenders and getting to the rim and make it and drawing that contact regardless of whether or not she finishes. And she is a really, really good finisher. Like I mentioned before, she's really athletic. She can hit it from a bunch of different angles with both hands. It's nice. The The one thing I think where I might differ from you is, you know, I, she, I don't think she's much of a, she's much of a, a downhill creator against like, a straight up matchup. So if she's playing the four or she's playing the three and there's like a stronger forward going up against her, she's, you know, she, she's got a four across from her. She's not to me doing much driving, doing much, you know, downhill creation there. The, her, her feet are really noisy at the point of attack. There's, and it's a little bit uncontrolled if she's trying to get downhill and just doesn't have the, the preset advantage there. But I, you know, I don't think that necessarily she needs to be your, third best offensive creator to fill a good to fill a good role and to to be a good player which is you know why to me that's not an issue uh at virginia tech virginia tech plays with a lot more offensive talent than basically any team in the country so relative to competition in the wnba you know she's not going to have the wnba's version of georgia amor and the wnba's version of georgia of uh elizabeth kitley and um kind of trailer and kayla king she's not going to have like that level of talent surrounding her so she so, you know, it's not quite the same, like, luxury of being literally the fifth best scorer um, in an offense. But, like, g- give her a mismatch, get her the ball, and she's going to go downhill. And I do think there's a little bit there with her passing ability as well, just as, like, a play oh, finisher yeah. in general. Like, there was, there was a play against Virginia in January where she took attack baseline, and she planted her feet, just made, like, a little bit, like, a kind of like a round um, – around two defenders she kind of just like placed it in to find their big on the roll i think there's a little bit there as a passer and like you said she doesn't turn over the ball a lot and that's kind of what you're looking for in these connector forwards where mm-hmm. she's then, absolutely a plus passer at the four if you if you're the, if you're coaching her and she is on your offense how would you how would you want to scheme her into your offensive scheme I'll put it this way: if if you're <clears throat> if you're running a mover blocker offense like the UVA men do, she's one of your she's one of your blockers, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Again, because you know she I think is a really good gap filler, so you know she's she should be involved in a lot of pick and rolls. She should be the she should be your connective, um, she should be sort of your connective passer. She should be attacking closeouts. Basically, use her as a screen and roller, use her as a finisher, use her as a cutter, and. <clears throat> she's going to return. I think she's going to return value on that end, assuming that, you know, she is actually 6-1. And do you think there is... What about like, you? What do you think there? So, yeah, I, I do think that she can provide value outside of the shooting, just because... Yeah, and I think the thing with the shooting is, like, for, for context, she's taken more threes at Boston, or at Virginia Tech this year than she did her entire career at Boston College. 
and basically all of those threes came in October, November, and December. Like, you know, they weren't really, she hit like a couple to start off with. It wasn't a huge number of attempts and she's pretty much cut them out since. You know, her free throw numbers, her form on the three, it doesn't really suggest to me that that's going to be like a big thing for her. And like I mentioned in this, <clears throat> sorry, not gonna be like a huge potential, but like I mentioned in the stat dive, like she hits enough off the dribble for that to be like a nice change of pace for her. She can't literally only get to the rim and finish there. So I think, you know, as a third scorer, maybe a little bit overtaxed, as a fourth scorer, maybe even a little bit overqualified. But, um, you know, just as long as she's not like playing the three and your four and five both can't space. Mm-hmm. And then what about on the defensive end? I think we can both agree super complete on defense. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Dude. Her defense is so good. I love her defense so much. I mean, the, the way – I think the way I'd easily put it is in both matchups against – Louisville this year for um, Virginia Tech. Uh, Taylor Soul spent uh, basically at least half her time that was on the court guarding Haley Van Lith, Louisville's like best guard, just offensive creator in general, and also they're like who they pretty much run their offensive creation through entirely. And boy, has boy Taylor Soul do a really damn good job against Haley Van Lith. I mean, you know, I I know I've seen a lot more of her this year just being in ACC land. I've scouted her in person. I'm wondering what you've seen in the samples that you saw. So the first thing that popped to me is just how she positions her body. Like you said, with her core strength, she, I feel like every, every couple, every couple games, every couple um, quarters, she was drawing a charge. She understands how to position her body. I think her screen navigation is also pretty freaking good considering her strength. Oh, yeah. So I think she, yeah, she's really good, like like going under ball screens and then matching the the uh, the handler on the other side. Even if they've already gotten downhill, she gets her body right there. And you know, for someone who was playing your three or your four, she gets over well enough. And and what kind of stinks to me is because she doesn't put up like the insane block or block numbers specifically. She won't only get she won't really get acknowledged as a C lead defender. It's more of like a kind of quiet thing, where she subtly subtly is. In my opinion, Virginia Tech's best defender, pretty easily. Going beyond um, being Virginia Tech's best defender, you know, I thought that, and you know, I know our ACC beat writer Mitchell Northam also thought uh, she was kind of robbed of an All Defensive Team spot on the, the ACC's postseason awards. There were some interesting selections on all of those teams. I'll say, I'll leave that alone. I mean, as far as like the just going beyond the best defender on Virginia Tech, like. I would say she is maybe the third, fourth best uh, uh, defender overall in this class. Yeah, that, yeah, that's definitely where I'm at as well. I think that's yeah. and that's and that is why she is a top fifteen prospect for me. Where are you at? I know you said that you kind of grown on her a little bit over the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was not a huge fan of her game at Boston College when the mid range shots were hitting in that COVID year. Then that was one thing. Her last you know, her senior year there, uh, the, the season prior to this one, they weren't hitting as much. So that just wasn't huge for me. It was, it was just a really inefficient offensive archetype. So I wasn't high on her coming into Virginia tech. And then she's putting up numbers. She was just looking like an excellent, like athletic connector on both ends. Um, and I was like, Oh, this is a real prospect. And then when I finally dove into her, like over the past couple of weeks, like it, I've just, I've honestly just been kind of blown away. She's been absolutely superb. And if you think that she can stick it before at the next level, which, you know, given the height, I'm skeptical of, I think it's worth a shot, but I'm very skeptical of it. 
And that's one thing. I think the question for me mainly becomes, can she stick at the three? If the league was set up in terms of the, the, the spacing and the rules that it works with the way that the men's NBA was, I would say she probably stays at the three well enough, um, but the shooting gives her a limited upside. And the W on skeptical. No, that's not to say I'm not skeptical of everyone in this, in this class for the most part. Um, I'm, I, I'm wondering before my final judgment sort of where you are on that, where she can stick. So that's kind of like a common denominator denominator for me with a lot of these prospects where mm-hmm. I don't I don't exactly know where she's going to stick, but I'm going to bet on her defensive ability, also just her offensive connecting ability. And I think that's enough for me to rank her in the top 15. Do you have like a do you have like a specific ranking where you would have it right now, like a little bit of a range? Yeah, it's tough. I would say that I am more optimistic about her ability to stick at to stick at the three, or even at the four. Honestly, like Steph Talbot plays the four in the league, and she's like a and she's like six two and doesn't really hold up that much in the post. So I would say that because I am more optimistic about her ability to stick at the three or the four than I am about like Rakia Jackson's ability to play off the ball. I have Killer Soul as a, as a, um, uh, round the eight to nine range in the first round. And do you think Kayla Thornton is like a fair comp for her? Yeah, honestly, I think that's, I think that's a pretty good comp. I think, um, I think, like, Kayla Thornton, if you, like, inverted her offensive and defensive value, then I think, like, you're, you're pretty much at soul just with, you know, less shooting. Less shooting from soul, to be clear. Not yeah, yeah. But um, after the break, myself and M will dive into Oregon's India Rogers, and then later in segment three, we'll talk about South Carolina's Zaya Cook. Okay, let's get into India Rogers is one of my favorite prospects to watch just because of how she runs a pick and roll, I think. She runs a really good pick and roll. She can get downhill. She's got an elite floater. Where do you think she like? Where does she rank on the stat profile? So it's funny. It's funny you mentioned the pick and roll. We can start off there. In her two years of Oregon, she's a USC transfer, where she spent her undergrad years transferred to Oregon ahead of uh, the season last year. In her two years there, uh, as an overall pick and roll operator, off uh, the offense ranks in the 82nd and the 87th percentiles when she's running a pick and roll, which is pretty good. Um, everything for her offensively. In terms of the stat profile, at least beyond that, it's sort of the shot. She's nearly 40% from three this year, despite um, only 60% of her makes being assisted. It's a really low number. And she's shooting very well at the rim percentage. And for her career, she's shot around 38% off the dribble, which for the volume that she's taken, the that is a really good mark. She's a career 35% mid-range shooter per pivot analysis, which is a solid mark if it's a change of pace for you. She's But she's taken them about 7% above average the past couple of years. So, you know, it's not the most efficient shot profile because she is decently below average in rim rate. And then in terms of, you know, your ancillary skill, she's excellent at avoiding fouls. She's excellent at taking care of the ball. But she's not much of a defensive playmaker. And just starting on just her size, I've talked to some people that were are, are around the Pat 12 have scouted her, and I don't think she is 5'7". I don't think she's – I think she's – Neither do I. Yeah, I don't think she's 5'7", and – she has really short steps. I don't, there's some athletic concerns there where she moves. She, she can kind of get, take it, take advantage of it though, just because she is so smart. She plays with so much pace, but there's yeah, definitely. The good, some... the, yeah. The, I, I would say the good news, despite the steps 
um, and the height is at least like she has very good, um, you know, acceleration. Speed, yeah, sure. So like in terms of like lower body mobility, she makes up for that. Is, and is how do you think she compares to another st- second round prospect last year in Destiny Henderson? I mean, she's a, I mean, she's just a better, much more efficient player in most aspects of the game. Honestly, Destiny Henderson is Destiny Henderson. Um, you know, the strength for her, and and I think we talked about this either last week or a couple weeks ago. Like the strength for her was the ability to control tempo, the ability to get the offense into the spots it needs to be, and just drive her teammates efficient offenses and help set that up. That's not really India Rogers strength. She's not someone who you, who you, you know, want to be relying on to set the tempo. You know, you're, you're going to want to play at the one, maybe the two, but you know, you don't necessarily want her in my opinion to like be the establisher of the tempo, but she's a hell of a lot better than Henny was at just shooting overall, creating her own shot. Honestly, two player game passing. She's a hell of a lot better at just getting out of situations where she doesn't have a shot and not forcing just bad attempts at the rim. And so when I was recently scouting her, she had like a six for 23 performance for Stanford. And in that game, a lot of her misses I thought were good shots taking. She creates a lot of mm-hmm. space. And I, I, I was like, because usually when I watch a prospect's worst game, I'm like, okay, this is, this is rough. But I saw some stuff there where she's creating space. She's getting good looks. Um, she's getting into her floater. So some of that stuff is helpful to uh, – yeah, and, and it's really tough. Uh, sorry, I was just saying, it's really tough with the Ducks this year because they've basically been running like a six, six-and-a-half player rotation since basically November. And unlike some other schools that have been running uh, short rotations, like Virginia Tech, who we just talked about, uh, Oregon's uh, – their, their players clearly aren't necessarily like built for that in the exact same way, and a bunch of them are freshmen too. So – pretty much everyone's kind of been gassed since like early to mid January. So it is, it's hard for me to watch India Rogers game against Stanford and not like notice all the shots are basically front rimming and say like, yeah, she's been bled dry over the past like three months. She's been the only player who hasn't seen a massive drop off on that team in efficiency since they got to the conference schedule. I, th- Oregon, I, I think that caveat comes with that performance. And yet Oregon also kind of spams pick and roll. It feels like. Like 90. Uh, yeah, it's, how do I say this politically? Their offense is not the most interesting thing you'll ever see. It, they have a lot of talent, and it feels like they're running the Coach K Duke offense from like 2006 at the latest. Yeah, and they have some talent. They have, uh, yeah, they have it, some- it, it is fair to say, and I've heard you know certainly a number of people around the industry noting it for the past couple of years. It's fair to say that they don't particularly do anything to maximize their own talent. And what have you seen from her on the defensive end? So speaking of things that Oregon does to not maximize their own talent, Oregon asks its guards to fight over every ball screen. It doesn't ask anyone to provide any sort of male help. It rarely provides much in the way of secondary protection from opposite corners doesn't involve a whole lot of switching unless the players are asking for it themselves, just improving on the court. It's fair to say that Kelly Graves is very bad at, at coaching a defense, just overall. I think that's I think that's been abundantly clear for a number of years. Um, and it's so unfortunate. Like, like, like they are running a scheme which does not 
help any of their starting guards, Chance Gray, um, Andrea Rogers, or Tina Palbao. For me, and we talked about this before, it's tough. It's really tough to evaluate what I think of India Rogers' defense. What's very clear is she's not that good going over go, going over balls, fighting over ball screens, and recovering. Like she can get over, but she does not recover that well. She's okay preventing dribble penetration in ISO, but mostly just in the way of that, like she is able to kind of stick with the player, but not really prevent them from getting downhill much. Beyond that, like what does India Rogers look like in a scheme that provides actual help defense? Probably not a whole lot better, but is she a passable defender? What does she look like if she's able to go under ball screens? I frankly have no idea. I'm not optimistic, but I think when we're talking about her profile, I think it basically comes down to what you think of her playing for a coach that is just a better uh, tactician than Kelly Graves. And they also don't play a big rotation, like you said, so it's kind of hard to just like understand, okay, is this defensive lapse because of the scheme? Is it because... She's tired from running so much pick and roll and just having so much of an offensive usage, or is it because she's just not that great on defense? It's kind of hard to differentiate some of this stuff as well. So, yeah, and, I'm not, and I'm not sure necessarily that she is the kind of like off ball um, mover on offense where you. I'm not sure she's the kind of off ball mover on offense where you would take the ball out of her hands a significant portion of the time to save energy for defense. Mm-hmm. And still maintain that same value. So I'm not sure it's a huge concern for me as much. No, but she's you know, not going to be playing less offense. She's not going like to be playing 38 minutes a game. I mean, I think she's more of like a backup yeah, yeah. level stuff. No, that's fair. That's very fair. I think, yeah. So, so when you take those things into consideration and when you try to project, like, given you know what we're able to see, what this looks like in that in a different role, what what do you come out to with your eval? So I think I'm higher on her to run a backup point guard. I think I think she has some of the stuff I look for in like pace, being able to run a good pick and roll. Some of that stuff is thinking like I think she can play 15, 20 minutes a night. I think if if I'm comparing her to Destiny Anderson, like I said earlier, I think there's some more offensive like offensive juice there. I don't think she's as good on defense as Henny, but she has I think just some I think she's just okay. I think that's I think it's pretty much all you need for her to just kind of be okay on defense and just be a good offensive player. I'm curious to see if the shooting will stick because I hope, hoping it's not an outlier season. I don't think it is because I like her form. I like her touch. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think she is a first yeah. round. If you were just watching this season and I didn't include this in the stat uh, breakdown, but if you were just watching this season, you would think, Oh, that, that is an elite shooter. She, this is the first time in her career at college that she shot right. basically above 30, 32% from three. Although she's always had, She's always had uh, excellent free throw, free throw shooting numbers, so this is probably closer to what she is than her career beforehand. Yeah, so after the break, we will dive into South Carolina's Zaya Cook, who is probably the most discussed player on this list, so we'll get into that after this break. Looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. Um, we've got through the holidays, and the goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. If you're like me and you want to eat healthier, don't you don't want to pr- compromise taste, then man, I've just got this thing, thing for you. You, you got to try Built. With Built, health is actually tasty. Seriously, they're delicious. You won't you won't think they're good for you. What makes Built bars so good? Well, for starters, they are covered 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure Built bar do- how Built bar does it, but these Built bars taste like candy bar. Um, while make 
while having amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy, only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now that you don't want now now you don't want to wait for it to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your built bars at built.com. Now you can get 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 them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk into a pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick up a, a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's Club, run and grab a 13 box. 13 bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. Okay, let's get into South Carolina's Zia Cook. I have wavered on her more than any other prospect. Some nights you're watching her and she looks like a first round pick. Other nights you're wondering, is she even a prospect? Um, so yeah. Zia Cook is basically the reason that I started taking notes on prospects before they are even seniors. Just having watched, you know, South Carolina a little bit last year, I mean, we'll, we'll get into why in a second, but uh, for, for, for the stat breakdown, let's start with the good. She's around 53% true shooting this year. She's averaging more assists than turnovers and has been excellent avoiding turnovers for her career. Is a career 34.5% shooter from three. Is around the mid thirties on pull-up Js, pretty good mark. Um, and she is shooting this for her career, 35.9% on contested jumpers for synergy. That's the good. The bad. She is a worse open shooter than guarded at only 33.1% on uncontested Js. Is well above average for the position in rates in the rate of shots coming off the dribble, which is less efficient for synergy, and is mostly just a non-playmaker defensively. I, I think she's a solid defender, but this is the stat. Uh, so that's the good, that's the bad, and the ugly. She is a career 46% finisher at the rim per pivot analysis, is at 32.5% shooting on non-paint twos, but they've been over a quarter of her total career attempts for CBB analytics. And this year is the first year that she's gotten to at least 50% true shooting and her first year averaging more assists than turnovers. So, Zia Cook, like I said, she'll have games where, I mean, even at the SEC tournament, she had the game against I think it was Arkansas, where she was completely off. There was a game earlier this season where she was against UConn. She was completely off. And what gave me more promise was that at some point this season, she started to perform better burst, burst real opponents. And that's kind of kind of fell off a little bit recently. I know she had that, she had that good game in the SC tournament, but I, I, I don't know how to project her because there's some stuff there where second side creating, she can sometimes get to having those tough um, pull-up jumpers. Other times she will take those tough pull-up jumpers, some really bad misses. Where are you at on like how you would kind of see her being utilized? I mean, if we're talking about the offense, the weird thing for me with her is we can look at prospects and you know do some. I was going to say uh, I was going to say some like biomechanical analysis from afar, but you actually saw her in person, so you can say uh, that you can do some biomechanical analysis in person. I actually did see in person. Uh, the past season as well but you know we can look at prospects like Shirley gonzalez or celeste taylor or um maddie segrist and we can figure out things about their jumper and we can say this is why something's working this is why something isn't working maddie segrist like i mentioned a couple weeks ago she she holds the jumper so high that's why she plays above her height with celeste taylor the elbow juts out a lot and it just takes a while to load up and that's why you know the volume is limited with zaya cook it's weird she had two pretty awful shooting seasons from three and one 
or in a couple quite good seasons, including uh, including this year. And her her three point percentage is around slightly above average where you want it. But her form is perfect. Her form is textbook. Her footwork is immaculate. Her her load up is great. She never she never really hesitates when she's going up with the ball. And it's she has basically the exact same form off the dribble as off the catch. It doesn't make any sense why she's not actually like even better. She's so smooth into it. She's such an elite athlete offensively. She has a she has a really really damn good handle. She it, frankly there's a there there are so many things to love with her game. She's so good at getting downhill when she wants to. She's so good just just crossing over opponents, going behind the back, even even pulling off a spin here or there. There's I honestly don't know why the jumper doesn't fall more. And she's so slippery, like you said, she can get downhill. She can. There's she so much. The I think I think she's legitimately the toughest player in the country to guard if you're the same height as her. But she's worse against an open shot. It's it's it makes no sense. There's there's a thing. So recently, the Los Angeles Clippers added Russell Westbrook, who was so much of a non-shooter that their odds of a championship actually decreased when they added him. The Warriors played them, I want to say, a week or so ago. And they literally had a game plan, which was when he's open, just like leave him open from three. Stick, stick their, they stuck their center on him, and they had Draymond Green just patrol the paint instead of actually guarding him. And, you know, he's a terrible shooter. He was terrible in that game as well. Um, but the thing, the Draymond Green's comments in postgame were basically like, he was basically asked about that strategy. And, you know, he, he basically said like, you know, and the, you know, this was the game plan that that uh, we were told to shoot around. We went with it, and you know, the thing is, sometimes like when you're the, in basketball, you're taught when you're open, take the shot. When you're so open all the time, it starts getting in your head. And you know, it's up for debate whether that's actually what happened in that game, or whether Russ is just that bad of a shooter that it doesn't matter. But I think it's possibly fair to say that that the thing was that Cook is she's so open all the time, given how teams pack the paint against South Carolina's defense or South Carolina's post offense that like there might be a fair amount of mind games going on with her as to, you know, like getting in rhythm and shooting when you're open because you're, you're getting the ball open at, in the corner basically every play. I'm not sure that that's something that I can actually step and go off of, but that is really like when I grasp the straws, that's the only thing I can, I can pull. And then also it's kind of hard to contextualize some of her rim finishing just because the pain is so packed sometimes where she's driving into two to three players. Yeah, and you can and you can figure it out in transition a little bit, like yeah. just trying to scout some of these things. Um, you know, there are times when she makes very nice finishes, and there are times when she doesn't even get to the rim as much as she should have, and it doesn't doesn't make any sense. Um, per, at least per synergy this year in transition, she's shooting that thirty. She's shooting fifty three point eight percent at the rim, which is fine. It's not good. It's not bad. It's fine. Level mark. You want it to be higher. But like for a guard of her height, it's fine. And that's and that's really the thing for me about her height, just rounding out like the offensive questions, is like like I said, she has been elite at avoiding turnovers every year. This is also her first year averaging more assists than turnovers. She doesn't she's not a playmaker in basically any way, shape, or form. Even in the two player game, there's not much there. So she has a wing offense, but she's at the guard spot because you you, you can't play her at the three with her height. You can't. It's it, it's tr- you, you. You really need a lot of value-added passing at your three, four, and five to make up for you know, if you're going to pl- plug in at the two. I think you also need defense there. Um, but I think you know, to me, at least on the defensive side, switching gears a little bit, 
she was pretty bad, in my opinion, defensively last year. I think this year she seems to have improved uh, quite a bit. I'm wondering what you've seen there. So I think I, I like, like you said, she's got some good size, I think, in terms of like her lower body strength as well. I think she's good as like a screen navigator. I like some of that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, like I think they're I think I I think Z is just good at like navigating through screens and she's good at recovering to players in general. She's she's okay on closeout. She's not a particularly good, I think, defender off the ball. Um, but you know, if she is playing your on ball role, I think she's I think she's fine enough. And I think just sort of playing like face up chaser. She's she, she she's firmly like in the good enough category. Um Holy, I, I think like within, we've, we've talked about this uh, in other spaces, but like within the scheme South Carolina runs, Brie Beal is like built directly for that because she's so disruptive against players at the point of attack and she forces so many issues with them. It doesn't matter that she's kind of really bad at at getting through screens and recovering. It That doesn't matter because of their backline help. I think Zaya Cook's kind of in like the opposite camp where she's not really disruptive, but she's just really good at like sticking with players at the point of attack. So I think you know I think there's strengths and weaknesses here. And yeah, so how would you rank these three? Overwhelming though. How would you rank these three prospects like in this class? I mean, you know, obviously Solway's a little bit of a different position than Rogers and Cook, and you know, all of them play kind of slightly different roles anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, Sol I have around number eight. Rogers I have uh, basically like a, just a few spots lower, right first round. Cook for me is a, cook for me is like in the last tier here. Cook for me is in this near non-prospect tier. You know, she's not shooting well enough from three for me to make up for the other issues, and she's still not hitting off the off the jumper as well as it looks like she should, and well enough to make up for you know lackluster finishing and just being mostly a non non playmaker. I I have her uh, honestly like a mid to late second round grade at best. I would, I, I, I would rather take a chance on some of the players that we're going to talk about next week when we go through the, the class of shooters. I would just much rather take a chance on Mike Sell, Lou, even like Leah Brown filling the role that you want here. Yeah, so I don't think I'm as high on you in terms of so I have her like early second round. Same with same with Rogers, but so like I, I, I technically have Rogers at 11 right now, but I, I only have nine first round grades in this class. Um, and then also, I think, I think yeah, Zycook yeah. is a little bit lower in that late second round, like 17 to 22 range, somewhere in there. And yeah, I, sorry. Yeah, I, I think um, when we're talking about trying to find second round value, Soul, I think, is like the connecting ability. Is there some intrigue there? And then with Rogers, you're talking about just some of the some of the skills that there's not a lot of prospects in this class have just having a guard that can run a good pick and roll. There's not many players in this class that I can actually trust to do that. And then on Cook's level, we were talking about one of the best players and one of the best teams in the country. She has good form. She has good, like a solid defensive ability. She's improving some of her turnovers as well. And that's something I would still take in the second round because if she could find it, if she could find some shooting consistency, I think we are talking about a player that could generate first round value or she could flame out. Um, there's a fine line between some of her abilities. Yeah, and I mean, you know, in terms of what you're talking about in, with the with the first round grades, like if if we if we sort of um, use using the baseball model that we use on our boards here of uh, future value, or uh, or like a role players, if you're comparing it directly to like what baseball prospectus um, uses for their for their like specific grade numbers. Like last year, I had 
uh, 11 players in that class at a, at a 40 or 40 future value or higher. This is on a 2080 scale. 40 is about uh, an average bench player. And I, I would consider that as like your median outcome, I would consider that about um, a first round grade. I had, I think, 11 players graded that last year. This year I have four. So, and, and Solas in the next, yeah, so I, I have Solas like a solid, like high second round grade overall. <clears throat> but the, yeah, no, I, I have four first round grades this year. Hmm. I do think there's going to be at least nine players that stick in this class, just based on historical. Oh, precedent. oh, I do too, and I think, and I think, in like, and I think, like next year when we look at like when eventually we talk about next year after this draft is over, like we're going to have players next year in the middle of the second round who get first round grades. Right. Right. So thanks for many loved ones basketball. Your first is banana. Make your second listen game to game NBA. Every game across the NBA. Um. And Locked On Game to Game covers every game across the NBA with local analysis only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast.